The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fifth chapter. The Gospel reading is printed on the back of your bulletin, or you can follow along in your pew Bibles on page 816. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it to the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim to the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Mark chapter 5 is a powerful and troubling story in Mark's gospel. And for a lot of reasons. It's a, it's a story about demons and disease and economics and community all wrapped into one healing story. And I wonder this morning, what, what part of the story grabbed you, um, piqued your interest, or perhaps even upset you? Maybe it was the details of, about the man himself. This man so possessed by demonic powers that Mark tells us he could no longer be restrained even by chains. That paints quite a picture, huh? This unclean spirit, whatever it was, was so powerful that this man's friends and neighbors felt they had no choice but to, but to chain him up. But in time, even that wasn't enough, and so now he had to live among the tombs, among the dead. Complete isolation, howling, bruising himself with stones, hardly, hardly even in existence, really. Can you even imagine 
what that would be like. I bet some of you can. It, it may not be your story exactly. Our modern minds don't quite know what to do with this idea of demon possession in Scripture, but I just bet that among us today are people who can relate to some sort of experience that has you or someone you love trapped and alone. Mental illness, addiction, an abusive or controlling relationship, crippling poverty or debt, possessed by something so powerful that it just completely controls you and won't let go. And the people around you want nothing to do with it, and it feels like they want nothing to do with you. And so when we hear these opening verses about this man who had nothing left in life but a meager existence among the tombs with only his demons to accompany him, it upsets us. And it can even remind us when this story has been our story or the story of the people we love. It might even be happening in your life or in the lives of the people you love right now. But maybe it was something else in the story that grabbed you. Maybe it was the part about the demons themselves. Huh? It's not the main part of the story, certainly, but I love how Mark seizes this chance to take a dig at the Roman Empire in this story by making sure that his readers know that this cruel, possessing demon was named Legion. The same name of a huge detachment of Roman soldiers. This, this possessing power in this poor man's life, this force that made him do things he doesn't want to do, um, and drives his neighbors to turn against him and exile him, bears the same name as a giant group of Roman soldiers. Legion. And Legion, this force so powerful that it bullies this, this man and his community, now suddenly stands before Jesus and begs. Begs for mercy. Don't send us out of the country, they beg. Send us into the swine, they beg. It turns out all they've accomplished is choosing the method of their demise. As soon as they enter the pigs, the pigs rush into the sea and are drowned. It's a it's a great metaphor for Jesus' authority over all things, even demons named after powerful Roman forces. But that's not all. Maybe the part of the story that upset you this morning was the destruction of all those pigs. You're just thinking about bacon this morning, huh? Now, I'll spare you the deviled ham and Bay of Pigs jokes this morning, but I do want to think about the destruction of 2,000 pigs this morning. Do the math, right? Now, I'm no pig expert, uh, but if 2,000 pigs were destroyed today, that's got to be what? Quarter million dollars worth of pigs? Even Mark's Jewish readers, uh, though certainly not one bit sad over the loss of 2,000 unclean pigs, would appreciate what a profound economic impact that would be on these swine herds. And furthermore, the ripples of economic loss on the whole community, too. Healing and restoration are not free, apparently. We know that healing will be costly to Jesus, of course. We know where this story is headed. In fact, it won't even be long before Jesus starts talking about his impending death in the Gospel of Mark. But healing and restoration are costly to the community. Too. 
Which leads us to one more upsetting part of the story that might have grabbed you this morning. Maybe the part of the story that grabbed you and upset you was the reaction of the community. When the news about these pigs gets into town, the people come out to the tombs to see what all the fuss is about. And what do they find? They find this man, not naked and out of control, but fully clothed and in his right mind. And what is their reaction? They are afraid. They're afraid. Now, we're not told exactly why they're afraid, but I have some thoughts, right? Maybe they suddenly realize that the guy they chained up in the tombs um, to cleanse their town of crazy was suddenly going to be their neighbor again. Awkward, right? <laughs> I, had a, I had a seminary buddy who told me a story about his father-in-law, who was a pastor. Uh, his father-in-law was out for a jog one day, and suddenly a big dog got free of its owner and uh, was charging right at him. And it was very clear uh, that this was not going to be a friendly visit from the dog. The dog was baring its teeth and growling and just running right at the guy. So my my buddy's father-in-law had to act very quickly. As soon as the dog was upon him, um, he kicked the dog as hard as he could, right in the throat. Good technique to disable a dog, but it turns out dog owners don't like it a whole lot. (laughs) And so the dog's owner comes charging up, and there is a face-to-face confrontation, right? And they exchange very heated words. Control your dog! Control your feet, right? That kind of thing. Um, but eventually, cooler heads prevailed and they kind of parted ways. Well, about a month later, my buddy's father-in-law began a new journey of pre-marriage work with a couple. Hey, you want to guess who the groom-to-be was? <laughs> it was that guy with the dog, right? Talk about a very awkward first session of premarital counseling, right? But I gotta say, that's nothing compared to having to be neighbors again with a guy you used to chain up in the cemetery. And also nothing compared to being a neighbor again to people who used to chain you up in the cemetery. The man whom Jesus healed can tell that the people are not real excited. And neither is he, frankly, right? None of us. None of us want to be that close to people who once hurt us or rejected us in that way. And so, immediately after the people beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood, this man begs Jesus to let him come with Jesus. Right? Take me anywhere but here, Jesus, he seems to be asking. But Jesus refused. He refused this man's begging. And instead of giving this man what he wants, Jesus gives him what he desperately needs, the gift of community. And in fact, Jesus also gives the community exactly what they need, a relationship with this man. Right? Not his demons, not his, not his crazy shouts and screams, but this man for who he really is. And so Jesus, do you notice, he turns this man into the very first apostle. Go, says Jesus. Go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And the man does. And everyone who heard it was amazed. So what might a story like this be saying to us today? Well, to be honest, I'm never 100% sure as a preacher 
Sometimes telling stories of Jesus feels a little like managing a fully charged fire hose. Uh, I've been trained to do it, but I'm still never quite sure what's going to get wet. But I hope this story speaks to any of you who are feeling bound by something today. If any of you are feeling trapped or bullied or controlled by some powerful force of darkness, I hope this story gives you profound hope. Hope that God has not forgotten you, because he hasn't. Hope that there is a force more powerful than any evil that plagues you now, because there is. And Jesus not only wants to heal you, but find a way to use you as a witness to his love, to reconnect you to community life. The physical or emotional healing may not go exactly as you would like, but always know this, you are a beloved child of God and precious and valuable to God's church. So receive Christ and his love in faith today and tell your friends all that God has done for you. I also hope this story moves all of us to greater compassion for those who are bound in this way too. And realize that part of their healing will have to involve you too. This story reminds us that the church is not a gathering of of the perfect and blameless, but a gathering of misfits and sinners. We must always make room for those in bondage to sin because if we don't, this can be a pretty empty place around here. And as much as we would like our Christian faith to simply be a personal relationship with Jesus, it's always more than that. Always. This story compels us into the community too. Service, fellowship, relationship with the whole body of Christ. Think of it as practice for the resurrection. Right? When we will gather with all whom Jesus heals of this disease we call sin, including people you've had real trouble liking in this world. How might we begin to live into that reality now? And finally, I hope this story reminds us that when we gather as God's people, as followers of Jesus Christ, we gather around the most powerful force in the world. More powerful than Amazon and Walmart and Wall Street, more powerful than political parties, war, violence, greed, racism, sexism, addiction, disease, family strife, hatred, anything else that wants to make a claim of dominance on us, upon our families, upon our community and our world. When we gather and when we are sent, we are the body of Christ. And together, empowered by this Jesus, we can do great things that bring wholeness and healing in our broken lives and our broken world. And so friends, whatever drew you into this story today, whatever part grabbed you, however it calls out to you, marvel again at Jesus, the Messiah, the very Son of God. Marvel at this one so full of power and so full of compassion. Marvel at this one who heals not just a broken man, but a broken community, calling them into a costly sacrifice for the sake of something new. Marvel, marvel at this Savior who calls even the outcast to be a witness to his message of new life. May Jesus bring that same costly and healing, that that same costly healing, excuse me, to our lives and our families and our communities too. In the name of Christ, amen.